This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, before I do anything else, I'd like to say hi to Dave Kelly, who sent me a note a few weeks back. He lives in Waterloo, Iowa, and says, thanks for airing another episode of Nightbeat. Atmospheric conditions, he says, are not the best right now with springtime storms, but I was still able to hear it. I love your show. Well, thanks so much for the feedback, Dave, and I'll be sure to log in another Nightbeat in the very near future. Now, Hopalong Cassidy is first on the bill tonight. William Boyd, the guy who played him, was not only a fine radio actor, but as well a pretty smart businessman. He thought the character Hopalong Cassidy might have a future in television, so he spent $350,000 to obtain the rights to his old films and approached the fledgling NBC network. Now, the initial broadcasts were so successful that NBC couldn't wait for a television series to be produced and edited the feature films to broadcast length. And in June of 1949, Hopalong Cassidy became the first network Western television series. The success of that television series made Boyd a star and a very rich man. Boyd earned millions as Hopalong, mostly from merchandise licensing, and um, licensing, that is, and endorsement deals. So, tonight we saddle up our horses and ride off to join Hoppy and his sidekick, California, as they head out west for another adventure. With action and suspense out of the Old West comes the most famous hero of them all, Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd. The ring of the silver spurs heralds the most amazing man ever to ride the prairies of the early West. Hopalong Cassidy, the same Hoppy you cheer in motion pictures, and the same California you've laughed at a million times. Raw courage and quick shooting have built a legend around this famous hero. Hopalong is a name to be feared, respected, and admired, for this great cowboy rides the trails of adventure and excitement. William Boyd as Hopalong Cassidy, and Andy Clyde as California. What's our story this time, Hoppy? We call this the devil in El Diablo. It was early February when California and I threw our diamond hitches on two pack horses and started the long journey to the eastern slopes of towering Mount Diablo. We were headed for Sulphur Valley, and that's a third of the way to Diablo's top. There we were supposed to rendezvous with a party of army officers who had started from the other side and should have reached Diablo's summit and descended again by the time we got there. But they hadn't. When we reached our destination, we saw no one. Sulphur Valley was as desolate as ever and quite deserted. Whoa, there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Boy. Well, looks like nobody's here yet, Hoppy. Ah, uh, so I see. I wonder. Well, nothing to worry about, I guess. Likely the climb took longer than I expected. 
Well, while we're waiting, let's set up camp and get a fire going. Sure, sure. Know any of these fellas we're supposed to meet? No, I never met them. Put that thing over there. All I know is they wanted some guides. General Harrison arranged it. Mm-hmm. General Harrison. <laughs> Wonder if he's crazy, too. Crazy? What are you talking about? Well, look up there. Never thought anything of it till we got here, Hoppy. But just take a look. <laughs> That's a real mountain. <laughs> sure is. Can't see the top of it for clouds. And look at all that ice and snow. <laughs> Good thing we're dressed heavy like this. Climb up there? <laughs> You'd have to be crazy. Oh, well, they're mapping it. Sure, sure. That's just what we need. A map of all that snow up there. No, you got it all wrong, California. They're just mapping the valleys and passes. Climbing to the top was their own idea. If they make it, they'll be the first. Uh, where do we go after they get here, Hoppy? Uh, off over there? Yeah, all through that hill country over there. They're mapping that, too. That's where they need us. Well, they're paying for it, but seems to me that, uh, were, uh, Hoppy, there's something been sticking in my crawl. Yeah, what's that? Didn't we used to hear about this here Mount Diablo quite a lot? Yeah. Seems to me we did. Just can't recollect in what connection. This is where the devil used to hang out. I, I should think so. Hoofs and a fork tail is just what's needed in this part of the country. Uh, but I wasn't joking. Uh, what I meant, wasn't what... joking either. The devil was the name of an outlaw. Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, by golly. Now I remember. Hmm. That was a couple of years ago, weren't it? Yeah, just about. Don't hear him no more. Uh, wonder what happened to him. Uh, no one seems to know. Maybe he's dead. Some people think he might have been killed by his own followers. Stole a lot of money at one time or another, you know. So most people think he slipped across the border and changed his name. Yeah, I see. He used to raid the mining towns over north. Yeah, yeah, I recollect that. Called him the devil because he'd a picture of the devil tattooed on him somewhere, didn't they? Yeah, I heard that, I think. Wonder why he wanted to hang out in the middle of this chunk of desolation. Oh, uh, this just suited his book, California. Whenever the law showed up, he just started climbing. No one ever seemed very anxious to follow. I can believe that, all right. I wouldn't neither. Wait a second, I... California. Hold it. What is it? Uh, what's the matter? I saw something moving over there. Uh, m moving? Uh, you sure it was moving? Yeah, I thought... Uh, uh, let's move. Uh, the other way. Uh, California, wait! One of the officers. It looks like he's in trouble. Come on. Hello there. What's happened here? Uh, oh. Who are you? I'm Cassidy. This is California Carlson. But what happened... Cassidy, am I glad to see you. I'm Lieutenant Martin. And the others... The other others... Yes, what about them? Hey, they trapped, Cassidy. 10,000 feet up, the rock slide, just below the summit. You... Yeah. Yes? You'll have to go after them, Cassidy. Have to go after them or... Or they'll die. Now, back to Hopalong Cassidy and our story, The Devil and El Diablo. It is now nearly an hour since Lieutenant Martin arrived with the news that his companions had been trapped by a rock slide just below Diablo's icy summit. His descent has torn his clothing to shreds. He is frostbitten, scratched, and bruised. Hoppy in California have been working desperately to revive him. And now... Oh, oh. He's coming too, California. Mm. Martin. Lieutenant Martin. Can you hear me? How are you feeling? Oh, rotten. But better than I expected to be. 
Cassidy, what's up? Sorry, Lieutenant, but I'll have to ask you some questions. Were any of your friends injured by the slide? I can't tell you for sure, Cassidy, but I don't think so. I think it came closer to getting me than it did them. I started down ahead of them to figure out the way to go. Lucky I did, though. If I hadn't, I'd have been trapped there with them. Slide wiped away part of the legs they were on so they couldn't go either forward or back. How long do you think they can hold out? Oh, it's hard to say. Several days, I should think. The, the worst is the food and the cold. They were low on grub anyway, and up there, sleeping bags don't help much. Those winds cut right through. How long do you think it would take us to reach them? Oh, three days. If we hurried, maybe we could make it in two. Then we'll make it in two. What kind of a climb will we have? Oh, pretty nasty. Plenty of ice and snow. Bad wind. Yeah. There's places where you'll have to go straight up, chipping out your handholds with a pick. Most of the time, you'll be working across the face of a pretty nasty drop. Maybe two or three thousand feet. Ah, uh, we'll make it. You draw some sort of a map, so we'll know how to find them. Oh, nothing doing. I'm going along. But you can't. Look at the condition you're in, man. You said... Why, how much mountain climbing have you done, Cassidy? Well, not much. But that doesn't mean that On we... this kind of a climb, it means plenty, Cassidy. Now, don't, don't fool yourself. And don't fool yourself about me. I'm tough. I'm not in near as bad shape as maybe I look. You give me one good night's sleep, and then I'll be as ready to go as anybody. You couldn't start before morning anyhow. You're a good man, Lieutenant. Well, I, I heard you're a good man. Doggone, if you ain't both good men and happy, you can depend on me, too. Uh, don't you fret about a thing while you're gone. I'll be guarding this camp like it was made out of solid gold. Then when you get back... You're uh, coming along. I said, uh, when you get back... I'll... I said you're coming along. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought you said. Well, it's been a good life, Hoppy. Why should I complain because it has to end so soon? Hoppy! <laughs> hey! Uh, wait for me! We're waiting. This is Willa Camp for the night. Hoppy, I, I've changed my mind. Oh? Yeah, yeah. Yesterday when I thought about it, I was scared to die. Now, now I wish I had. California, don't stop there. Keep going. Oh, I can't. I'm stuck. You're not stuck. You're scared. You haven't much choice. Either you climb five feet or drop a thousand. Close, Cassidy. We swing across this drop here, and then we work our way up a chute over there. After that, there's a ridge. And then... Cassidy, we made it. Here, give me a hand. I'll pull you up. Here. There. Where? Where are they? Oh, they're right over there. They... They're gone. What? Uh, what did you say, Lieutenant? Well, they're... They're gone. They're right on that ledge over there. I marked it by the signs of the slide. Ah, oh, there have been lots of slides up here, Martin. You're sure that's the right one? I don't think it is. Look how the face of that cliff has had a chance to weather. But it's been just a few days ago. Cassidy, I... I'm not sure of anything anymore. Except that we'll likely have to go back to where we swung across the canyon. That must be where we got mixed up. Oh, like... it! Oh, oh, what was that? The oh, hubby. Not that way. Look over there. Hey, it's them. It was right here I got turned around. Coming, Captain! I brought help! 
We're coming right over! Take it easy now. Get some of this chow into and you'll be feeling fit as a fiddle. You're Major Apperley, aren't you? That's right, Cassidy. And I want to tell you that your arrival seems to us like a miracle. Oh, uh, Cassidy, this is Captain Duncan. Hello, hello, Cassidy. Hard place for introductions, eh? But glad to meet you. Happier than I can really say. Well, how do you like our little habitation here, eh? How do you like it? Tarnation, I don't see how you kept the wind from sweeping you off in here. <laughs> well, there were times when we weren't quite sure how we did it ourselves. California, where did Lieutenant Martin go? On around that abutment there, Hoppy. He said he wanted to follow this ledge clear to the end and see if there wasn't a better way of getting down than the way we came. Uh, that's a good idea. There's one more in your party, isn't there, Major? Uh, Lieutenant Waite. Martin said... I've already seen him, Hoppy. He's frostbit a little, but otherwise he's all right. I fed him a little chow and put him to sleep back in the holler there. Ah, that's fine. We won't start down before morning anyhow. Glad to see you had no real casualties, Major. Ah, that'll make it a little easier going back. Hey, what was that? Sounded like someone calling you. Must have been Lieutenant Martin. He... Cassidy! Oh, Cassidy! Stop here a minute, will you? Yeah, that's Martin, all right. Be right there, Martin. You'll have to excuse me, Major. You too, Captain Duncan. Of course, of course. Come on, California. Likely found the other way of getting down he was looking for. Hoppy, I'd get a better head for heights than I figured I had. This ain't bothering me at all no more. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. Look down there. This is a 3,000-foot drop here if it's an inch. But, uh... Wait a second. Huh? What did you say, Martin? You wait right there. There's not enough room for you around here. I'll be with you in a second. He's found something, all right. Yeah. Coming, Cassidy. Hey, I, uh, I think I found a way of getting down without swinging across. We... Martin, watch out. Oh, what the devil? No, grab something. Wait. But I can't. I can't. I'm slippery. Ah! Oh, golly, Harvey. Oh, golly. Give me your glasses. Here. Can you see him? Is he... Is he dead? I can see him all right. And he's dead. He'd have to be after a fall like that. You can see that from here. And I was just saying I wasn't scared of accidents no more. No need to be. Huh? That was no accident, California. Martin was murdered. All right, this is as far as we go today. We're camping here for the night. Poppy, uh, Poppy, uh, you ain't give me a chance to talk to you all day now. Yesterday you said Martin was murdered. Now, uh, what do you mean by that? Just what I said, California, that was murder. But he just slipped, didn't he? Uh, I seen that myself. He was coming around that corner of the ledge there. Then his ankle turned. You and, should have uh, taken a better look at the ledge itself. Uh, uh, if you had, you would have seen the marks of a pick. Someone broke off part of the ledge and they picked between the time Martin rounded that corner and the time he came back. Well, what do you think? There's well, there. it might have been Major Epperly, Captain Duncan, or Lieutenant Waite. Uh-huh. Any one of the three would have had the opportunity. They say. Hey, so that's why you asked me to keep still about what you said. Yeah. Maybe one of them will betray himself. They certainly have. Wait, wait a second, Harvey. Here, trying to sneak up and listen to us, eh? Will you? I. California, who is it? Uh, it's Lieutenant Waite. He was laying here, pretending he was asleep. He... Wait a second. He is asleep, California. Let him down. Can't you see the man's exhausted? Uh-uh. We're both wrong, Hoppy. What do you mean? 
He wasn't eavesdropping. Neither was he sleeping. Look here. He's got a knife in his heart. ago, the party at the summit of icy, snow-clad Mount Diablo numbered six men. Hoppy in California and Major Epperly, Captain Duncan, and Lieutenants Waite and Martin. Now, two are gone, and Hoppy confronts the survivors. Captain Duncan, Major Epperly, Lieutenant Waite I know was murdered. Lieutenant Martin I'm sure was murdered, even though I couldn't prove it. One of you two murdered them, maybe both of you. Which one of you did it, I don't know, but I do know this. From now on, I'm taking charge. And when we get back to civilization, I'm turning both of you over to the proper authorities. Look here, man, this is preposterous. Accuse me of murder and I'll make you pay for it. I assure you, I will, I assure you. You do that. You look like you've got something on your mind, Major. Better get it off before it poisons you. I'd like to know where we stand. Am I to assume that we're your prisoners? Something like that. That's as good a way of putting it as any, I guess. But I thought I was in charge here. I dislike mentioning rank, but... Mention it all you want. I'm not in the army. Quite so. Then you have no authority. I have my authority here at my belt. Oh. California and I are the only ones who are armed. Either one of you want to question that authority? Well, as long as you put it that way, Cassidy, no. You're quite definitely in charge. But definitely. Preposterous. It's anarchy. It's preposterous. Then we're agreed. One thing more. Wade is dead, but he's our only proof that murder has been committed. So we're taking him with us. I gave California my rope. You got Wade secured, California? All set, Hoppy. Good. He'll have to be lowered from this ledge to the one below us. Duncan, suppose you give California a hand. No. If you think you're making me your flunky, Cassidy... What? Oh. Well, yes, sir. If you say so, Major. I do. Yes, if you need another hand, California, let us know. Oh, we'll handle this all right, Hoppy. All right now, Captain. Easy dirt. Lower away now. Watch out for that ridge there. Hey! California, what is it? Hoppy! The rope burst! My rope? Wait a second. Let me see that. Here. Here it is. It's cut. That's why the rope broke. It was cut half through. Who did this? You, Duncan? You, Epperly? If one of us had, you'd scarcely expect him to admit it, would you? No, maybe not. But you can't blame me for being interested either. This is my rope. If it hadn't broken with weight, it would have broken with me. If it broken with me, right now I'd be at the bottom of the canyon where weight is. Uncomfortable, eh? Mighty uncomfortable. Yes. But get this through your heads. Watch your steps. The next accident that happens won't happen to California or me. It'll happen to you. <laughs> Everybody finished breakfast? Then I have something to announce. Today you'll do no traveling. You three will stay right here and wait till I get back. Uh, where are you going, Hoppy? I'm going to backtrack a ways. I have a little investigation. Uh, couldn't that wait till we got to Sulphur Valley? Too much snow and cold up here to shoot me, Hoppy. You make out, California. That bluff there gives you good protection from the wind. If I waited till we reached Sulphur Valley, my job would take longer than a day. You're going back up to Abel? Yeah. Hadn't I better go with you? You'll have to stay and keep your eye on our friends here. Oh. You heard that. While I'm gone, California's in charge. Do as he says. Don't try anything. If you do, you may regret it. When he has to, 
He can be pretty tough. Doggone right I can. I, uh, say, uh, Hoppy, do I have to stay here alone with these two fellas? You can handle them, California. You'll have the only guns, you know. Something you wanted to say, Major? It's occurred to me why you might be going back, Cassidy. I'd like to say don't. You might learn too much. Could be dangerous. Thanks. Suggestion received and not acted upon. I'll have to be going now, California. Uh, Hoppy, and uh, when you get back, you'll know which one of these two is guilty? Yes, California. I think I will. Well, well, what do you want now? I wonder what's happened to your friend Cassidy. It's after dark. He's been gone all day. Doesn't it occur to you that he might have had an accident? Say, uh, you think he had? I think it's very probable. If uh, I were you, I'd... Yeah, yeah, just one of your tricks again. Well, Hoppy's told me to stay here and watch you, and here's where I'm staying. If you know the Hoppy like I do, you'd know he don't have no accidents. That feller knows how to take care of himself. You just rest contented and quit trying to edge up on me. I'm contented enough. <laughs> That's real pertinent. Huh? What? Uh, that uh, thing you're humming. <laughs> That's real pretty, I said. Uh, what is it? Oh, <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Like to hear it, would you? Oh, sure, sure. <clears throat> sure thing. Uh, go ahead. Sure. Pretty? Yeah. Pretty. He's asleep. I think he is. Wait a minute. Got him. Come here. Give me a hand. Right. Here. Here. What? what, what say? What? Hey, you fellas, let me alone. Let me I'll alone. I'll do what he tells you if I were you, my friend. Huh? Back. Get back, both of you. That's right. You right there, Captain. And you stay right there against that bluff, Major. They hurt you any, California? No, I ain't hurt any, Hoppy. But I sure feel bad about this. I guess I fell asleep. Anyhow, the Major there was singing, and the first thing I knowed, I... Yeah, the Major there's a pretty slick customer. I should have been back sooner, but I had things to do. Yeah, say, that reminds me, Hoppy. You find out what you wanted? You found out uh, who's behind all this? Yes, I did. Then tell me I've been aching to know which one was it. The Major there or Captain Duncan? Neither one. Uh, what? Uh... Oh, what? Uh, yeah, I thought you said... You... I said that Waite and Martin were killed by neither Epperly or Duncan. I'll explain. They... You don't have to explain. You do know the truth, don't you, Cassidy? Yes, I do. All of it. That's too bad. Who for? For you. You in California. That means you'll have to die. That's so? If you're not armed, how would you set about killing us? But I am armed. Get your hands up. Reach both of them. California, where do you get that gun? Hoppy, I don't know. Hey, one of mine's missing. That must be one of mine. Yeah. Right. You got here in time to keep us from finishing him, Cassidy. But not in time to prevent me from taking one of his guns. Sorry you have to end this way, Cassidy. But as long as it's your life and not mine, I'm naturally not as sorry as I might have been. <laughs>
You're a fool, Major. No, that's wrong. You're not Major Epperly, are you? What is your real name? I don't think it matters, Cassidy. Major's good enough. I rather like the sound of it. What's your real name, Captain Duncan? That's something you'll never know, Cassidy. What did you mean about his being a fool? Just what I said. If he wanted to kill us, he should have waited until morning. No one can shoot accurately by firelight, and he knows it. Talk, Cassidy, and you know it. But before I kill you, suppose you tell me what you found back up there. What you knew I'd find. The bodies of the real Major Epperly and his party. I'm all mixed up, Harvey. Who's these fellers, then? If I'm not mistaken, the devil and his followers. The devil? Oh, I know that outlaw we was talking about. Right. I am right, huh, Major? Of course. What were you doing back here? Why did you kill Epperly and his men? Suppose you guess. I think I can. I have an idea that you had some of your loot hidden out on Diablo. You probably came back for it, ran into Epperly's party, and misunderstood what they were doing on Diablo. You probably thought they were after your loot. We did. We were sorry for it afterwards. But by then, the damage had been done. So you helped yourself to their uniforms, and the slide trapped you. Right. But what put you on all this? You did. Under the circumstances, you were a little too military and not always correctly. That suggested the truth. When I backtracked and found where you'd met Epperly and his men, I knew I'd been right. And Slim and Phillips, you know why they died? They were the men calling themselves Waite and Martin? Yeah. I'll make another guess. You started getting rid of your followers so that you could have the loot to yourself. <laughs> partly right and partly wrong, Cassidy. Yeah? I see there's some things you don't understand. Shoot them, confound it. Shoot them and get it over with. That Cassidy's too smart. The longer you wait, the better chance you're giving him. Just a moment, He's I... right. There has been too much talk. As long as you're alive, you're dangerous. So I'll... Now, wait. You don't understand. If you fire that snow... California, down! Run for it. You started that snow slide, and I told you not to... Hoppy. That snow buried him. Yeah, he's a dead man. Buried under tons and tons of it. I tried to warn him, but he wouldn't listen. No, you don't, mister. Stop right What's there. What's the matter? Our friend who calls himself Captain Duncan thought this would be a good time to get away. Come here. That's right. Stop right there. Where do you think you were going? Well, the devil's dead. You saw him get buried under that snow, didn't you? It was him ordered all these killings. What do you want me for? You're sure the devil was responsible for all this? You're very sure? Of course. He gave the order, didn't he? All the rest of us just did what he... Ha, ha, ha! I just wanted to hear you admit that you gave the orders. That's all. All right, California, tie him up. We're taking him in. Uh, him? Uh, he gave the orders? Of course. He's the fellow they call the devil. If there's any doubt about it, I think we'll find a tattoo on him to prove it. Well, I'll be doggone. So this is the devil. A hoppy, uh... Hmm. Where's his hoofs and fork and tail? <laughs> oh, he'll have them, California. About 15 minutes after they hang him. <laughs> well, that certainly was a surprise. And especially after we thought the devil had been killed. But they never fool Hoppy for long. You can be sure of that. In their next adventure, Hoppy and California meet up with the lawyer of Laredo and become involved in a feud that is as exciting as it is dangerous.
Cassidy, starring William Boyd, is transcribed and produced in the West by Walter White, Jr. The Devil and El Diablo was written by Gibson Scott Fox, with original music under the personal direction of Albert Glasser. All stories are based upon the characters created by Clarence E. Mulford. This is a Commodore production. Stay tuned for Jack Benny next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for the Jack Benny Show. The Grape Nuts Flakes program coming to you from Toronto, Ontario and starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Dennis Day, Rochester, yours truly, Don Wilson and our guest conductor, Alan McIver and his all-Canadian orchestra. How often does your husband make with this theme song? I want what I want when I want it. <laughs> yes, sir, that's a man for you, especially when it's time for breakfast. He wants breakfast there when he wants it. And does he know what he wants for breakfast? Well, just try him and see. Just hand him a bowl full of delicious, crisp, tempting, moldy rich grape nuts flakes. Then watch what happens. One taste of that grand grape nuts flavor and that I want brown becomes a happy grin. And that grin will stay on because nourishing grape nuts flakes stick to the ribs. They help keep you going until lunchtime. For they're a whole grain cereal, chuck full of health-building whole grain food values. So try old Doc Wilson's recipe for a happy home and serve grape nuts flakes at breakfast. America's fastest-growing breakfast cereal. gentlemen, for the first time in our broadcasting history, our program this evening originates outside the borders of the United States. Yes, sir, we're in Toronto, Canada. Canada, stretching 3,000 miles from Nova Scotia in the east to Vancouver Island in the distant Pacific. It's big, all right. Canada, famous for its farming, its lumbering, its mining, and its fur trapping. Yep, everything from grizzly bear to skunk. <laughs> Which brings us to our master of ceremonies, Jack Benny. Hmm, and I had to help him out on that. Oh, well, hello again. This is Jack Benny, the grizzly bear talking. <laughs> I've got too much hair tonic on me to be that other animal, you know. <laughs> 
And Don, there's a sure thrill broadcasting from the Dominion of Canada. Look at those uniforms out in the audience. Men from the Royal Canadian Navy, the Canadian Active Army, the Royal Canadian Air Force. Well. And don't forget the Royal Norwegian Air Force. Yes, sir, they've all... They've all, they've all turned out, and I love the people up here in Toronto, Don. They're so friendly, and they go out of their way to make you comfortable. Uh, what do you mean? Well, for instance, when I arrived in town, it was snowing. So they dug an underground tunnel from the Union Station to the Royal York Hotel just for me. Now, that's, that's real consideration. Oh, now, wait a minute, Jack. That tunnel connecting the Union Station and the Royal York Hotel has been there for years. It has? <laughs> Gee. Of course, everybody knows that. Oh, my goodness. Then, then I better rush over there right away. What's the matter, Jack? Oh, I, I've got to take down that sign I put up. What sign? <laughs> Jack Benny Tunnel, admission 10 cents. <laughs> Gee, people, people here will think I'm awful, you know? Oh, I wouldn't worry about it. By the way, Jack, are you stopping at the Royal York? Yes, uh, Dennis and I, and Dennis is a ranger, and my riders, and their riders, and a man named, um, a man named McTavish from Winnipeg, who's in the grain business, were sharing a lovely room. <laughs> It has, uh, it has twin beds, of course. Oh, I, I see. Uh, does your room overlook Lake Ontario? I don't know. McTavish always hangs his kilt across the window. <laughs> A nice, uh, nice chap, though, you know? Uh, come in. Yes? Mr. Benny, on behalf of the English-speaking population of Canada... I'd like to welcome you to Toronto and present you with this genuine Canadian quarter. A Canadian quarter? Well, thank you. What's that for? We want you to spend something while you're up here. <laughs> well, just for that, just for that, I'm going to spend that quarter. McTavish and I are going out to dinner. What's left over, we'll split a cigar. Yes, sir. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Hello. Well, Mary, are you having fun on our little visit to Canada? I'll say. And what a beautiful city Toronto is. You know, Jack, yesterday I got on a streetcar and went over to visit my cousin. Oh, do you have a cousin living here in Canada? Yeah, Vancouver. <laughs> Now, wait a minute, Mary. You can't take a streetcar from Toronto to Vancouver. That's his name, Vancouver Livingston. Oh, 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 oh. Well, Mary, we've certainly covered a lot of ground in one week, haven't we? Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal. You said it. And say, Jack, in Montreal, I stayed at the Windsor Hotel, and I slept in the same room that Mrs. Roosevelt had a few days before. The same room Mrs. Roosevelt had? How do you know? Well, in the middle of the night, the phone rang. I said, hello. Yes. And a boy said, I'm back from North Africa. Where are you? <laughs> oh, then it... <laughs> well, it must, must have been Mrs. Roosevelt's room, all right. Huh? Speaking of Montreal, Mary, isn't that a romantic old city? What food they have. To Wilson, a bowl of onion soup is romance. Mary, but you're... 
But you're right, Don. The food in Montreal is terrific, especially in those little French restaurants. You ought to stay out of those little French restaurants until you learn to speak the language. What are you talking about? I parlay Francois Trey Bonnie. <laughs> and incidentally, Mary, you should have had some of those escargot I ordered. Yum, yum. Well, I don't like snails. Snails? Yike! <laughs> Holy smoke, I ate three orders of snails. No wonder you've been walking so slow the last few days. No quiet. I can't understand making such a silly mistake why in Waukegan High School, French was my best subject. In fact, we... Come in. Monsieur Benet? Oui? Au nom de la population canadienne-française du Canada, je désire vous souhaiter une cordiale bienvenue à notre beau pays. Oui, oui. Oui? <laughs> What's he saying, Jack? Well, nothing about snails has come up. That I know. Uh, procedez-vous, Mansour. Uh, procedez-vous. Uh, nous pensons que vos remarques sont vraiment drôles. Oui, oui. <laughs> continue, continue. <laughs> Et nous apprécions à juste titre votre habilité artistique et espérons bien que votre séjour au Canada sera des plus agréables. Bonsoir. Well, now that was really sweet, really. I mean, sorry. Sorry he got away. Uh, sorry he got away so fast. I would love to have parlayed with him longer, you know? Well, tell us, Jack, what did he say? What did he say? He said that, um, I mean, he implied... That is, he, he more or less suggested. Look, he's gone. We had a nice chat. Now let's forget. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> well, Dennis Day. Hello, Dennis. Hello. Well, Dennis, I haven't seen you since we left Ottawa. Did you have a good time there? Yeah, it was wonderful. And I was sure thrilled when we met the king. The king? King? Yeah, King Mackenzie. That's Mackenzie King. Listen, that's Mackenzie. That's Mackenzie King. He's the Prime Minister. Oh. And I enjoyed meeting him, too. You know, Mr. Benny, these Canadian people sure are generous. They really overdo it. What do you mean, overdo it? Well, I gave the girl at the cashier's desk a $10 bill, and she gave me $11 change. She must be nuts about me. <laughs> Listen, Dennis, she gave you the right change. You see, $10 American for 11 Canadian is international monetary stabilization and is determined through equitable negotiations on the part of the Canadian and American fiscal policy authorities. You better lay off those snails, brother. <laughs> oh, for Pete's sake. Now, Dennis, Dennis, in the first no, place... Oh, Jack, stop wasting your breath. Dennis will never get that stuff through his head. Mary's right. Dennis is too confused to understand such a complicated subject. Now, wait a minute. Let's be fair about this. Dennis may be a little confused, but he's not dumb. He's not stupid. Talk is cheap. Let's see you prove it. <laughs> well, there's no use waiting. I'll have to keep that kid in a trunk. 
<laughs> Never mind, Dennis. Let's have your song and do a good job. Hold it a minute. Come in. Good soon, Mr. Benny. Well, I'll pursue them your program, Mr. Dobrik. We we, Monsieur. Jack, Jack, he's not French. He's a Norwegian flyer. Oh, a Norwegian flyer. Oh, oh, go ahead, sir. For vain of all the gutta in the Norske flygevåpen som trener her i Canada og er i kamp overseas. Yes. Vil jeg gjerne benytte anledningen til å si at vi synes de er meget morsomme og at vi liker dem meget bedre enn røyka laks. Well, now, would you mind telling me uh, what you said in English? Mr. Benny, we Norwegians think you are very funny and we like you much better than smoked white fish. <laughs> well, that's very nice of you. Go ahead and sing that. come home to sung by Dennis Day. And Dennis, that was swell. Thank you. And Mr. Benny, since today is your birthday, I'd like to dedicate that number to you. Well. That's right, Jack. Happy birthday. Many happy returns the day, old boy. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Gosh, another birthday. No kidding, Mr. Benny. Were you really born on February 14th? Yep. I was a Valentine baby. Cupid brought me instead of the stork. Yeah. Stork? Huh? A stork? Yes. There's something fishy there, but I'm only guessing. 
Dennis, I mean, I mean Cupid brought me because I was born on Valentine's Day. But the stork brings everybody else. Oh, you're a little wrong there, Jack. A crane brought me. Well, what's the... Well, what's the difference? Stork or crane, they're both birds. Well, I mean a crane like in a shipyard. Oh, oh, you mean a hoist. Well, Don, you're an exception. You see, you were a very heavy baby. I understand your nurse had to jack you up to put your diapers on. <laughs> well, anyhow, getting back to me, here it is, another birthday. Hey, Mr. Benny. Yes, Dennis. Well, I'll probably get slugged for this. But how old are you exactly? Hmm, well, Dennis, let me put it this way. I'm as frisky as a boy of ten... I feel like sweet 16, and I don't look a day older than 25. Now, just add those up and you got it. <laughs> Mary, I'm not 51. I'm in my late 30s, or my early 40s. You were in your early 40s and the gay 90s. <laughs> Never mind. And now, ladies and gentlemen... I wish I had a nickel for every time Lillian Russell slapped your face. <laughs> I said, never mind. I may be so bold. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to have you meet our guest conductor this week, Mr. Alan McIver from Montreal. Thank you, everybody. Uh, so your name is Alan McIver, eh? Alan. Do you mind if I call you Al? Oh, no, not at all. Thank you. You see, I happen to know a fella named Alan, and just the... <laughs> just the mention of his name makes my hair stand on end. Open your shirt and show him. I mean the hair on my head. Well, sir, let's have your band number. What's it going to be? I've prepared a special arrangement of Canadian capers. Good. Oh, by the way, Mr. Benny, I don't know if this is the right time to bring it up, but I enjoy your work in pictures very, very much. You do? Well, well. Yes, I saw you and George Washington slept here, and you are wonderful. Thank you. Especially Ed Sheridan. Hmm. <laughs> Everybody says that. Incidentally, Mr. McIver, I'm in a new picture now called The Meanest Man in the World. I, uh, I suppose you'll see that. Who else is in it? Well, I have a swell role. You see, I play the part of a young lawyer who is a failure because he's so nice and sweet and kind. Who else is in it? Hmm. And it isn't until I change my character and become the meanest man in the world that I achieve the prominence that I so justly deserve. Who else is in it? Priscilla Lane in Rochester. <laughs> Think of them. Let's have your number. What a fan. Heaven's sake. All right, folks, Canadian capers. Uh, just a minute, Jack. Speaking of Canada, I've written a very clever message which involves various cities and towns in this dominion. Oh, who, who else is in it? I mean, you have? You have... <laughs> What's the matter with me? Uh, yes, it, it goes something like this. <clears throat> When you come back from the lake, Louise, uh -huh. and when you arrive in port, Arthur... Well, there's, there's two places already. I want you both to ronto your neighborhood grocer. Hmm. 
And ask him for a box of toasty brown sweeters and nut grape nuts flakes. Toronto, that's not bad. Now, if you arrive home and find that you've forgotten your grape nuts flakes, Quebec to the store immediately. (laughs) Quebec? Quebec to the store? Yes, because grape nuts flakes in the big 12-ounce economy size package is America's fastest-growing flake cereal. Believe me, folks, you ought to try some tomorrow. Don, Don, that was wonderful. I'm sure you've given the people Halifax about our product. Uh, I bet Ruby Stevens hated that one. And now, and now, Mr. McIver, I think you can play. Who's that? Come in. Well, it's the Canadian girl, the French-Canadian soldier, and the Norwegian flyer. What's this for? Happy birthday, Mr. Benny, and may you have many more of them. Thank you. Thank you. Vous souhaitez une bonne fête, Monsieur Benny. Espérant que vous en aurez beaucoup d'autres. Uh, merci. Merci beaucoup. Chili, que me fasse ce dagen. Je vais vous dire que vous avez beaucoup Manga talk. Manga talk. Play, McIver. Gia, birthday in three languages. Ain't I Canadian Capers, played by Alan, I mean, Al McIver, and his orchestra. And Al, that was very, very good and quite apropos. And now, ladies and gentlemen, since we are in the Dominion of Canada, for our special attraction this evening... Mary Livingston will read a poem. Mary Livingston will... Nothing doing, Mary. The poem is out. You let me read my poem, or I'll tell everybody that you think the tunnel from the Union Station to the hotel was dug especially for you. They know that already. Then I'll tell them that you're charging a dime to walk through it. They know that, too. Do they know you're letting people go through piggyback for 15 cents? (laughs) How'd you go through all of that without fluffing a line? I don't know, Jack. The special rate. That was wonderful. You're very good. Listen. All right, let's have your poem. Uh, what's the... <laughs> uh, what's the title of it? Uh, here's to Canada. 
It's Army, Navy, Air Force, Merchant Marine, Ferry Command, and the FIMTA. The FIMTA? What's that? The fellow I met this afternoon. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, well, go ahead. <clears throat> Here's to the land of the maple leaf, our neighbor good and true. Greetings from Don and Dennis and me, and Jack with eyes of blue. <laughs> they uh, they have been compared to Lake Ontario through McTavish's kilt. You know? <laughs> go ahead, Miss Suze. I mean, Miss, Miss. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Canada, you are so mighty. Your snow-capped mountains are so whitey. Whitey. Your air is cold. Your wind is bitey. That's why I wear a flannel nighty. <laughs> Hey. Me too. <laughs> oh, Canada, where seals do play, way up north in Hudson Bay. The Eskimos, they live in igloos and keep their pigs in little pigloos. Mary, they don't have pigs up there. They eat blubber. The Eskimos, they live on blubber. It looks like steak, but tastes like rubber. Well. The nights up there last half a year. So if you walk in your sleep, take a sandwich and beer. That's right. That's right. A little midnight snack around the middle of December would be good. Is that all? Is that all, Mary? No, one more verse. Okay. So here's to the land of the maple leaf. Our neighbor, good and true. Our visit has been wonderful. So thanks. Merci beaucoup. Very, very good. Very good. Well, Mary... That was a swell poem and a beautiful thought, and I'm sure that goes for all of us. Now, fellas, before I forget it... Excuse me, come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? I'm an Eskimo, and I have a message for you. Well, um, a bald-headed Eskimo. <laughs> he must have a small entrance to his igloo. What's the message, sir? On behalf of the Eskimos of Canada, Glub, Ugg, Rickajack, Belvoir, Zock, Powie. <laughs> what does that mean? How do I know I'm a bellboy at the hotel? <laughs> How does Bill Morrow get a job as a bellboy? That's right, the Eskimo didn't show up. Now, fellas, as I started to say, tomorrow night when we do our show... I want you all to be ready by 7 o'clock because immediately afterwards we have to take the train for Chicago. That is, you'll be in Chicago and I'll stay in Waukegan. Meanwhile, now who can that be? Hello? Where's Wamajus? Same one, Rochester. there. <laughs> Rochester? Why, Rochester, where did you learn to speak French? My Montreal mama done told me. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, what do you want, Rochester? What did you call me about? Well, I'm down here in the tunnel, boss. In the... In the, in the tunnel? Yeah, a train just came in from Ottawa. Shall I lower the toll gate? 
Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Rochester. That isn't my tunnel anymore. People can walk through without pain. This is a fine time to tell me a Scotchman just knocked me cold with a bagpipe. <laughs> what? That Loch Lomond really packs a wallop. Well, it was all my fault. There's only one thing to do, and that's give the people back their money. Now, how many dimes did you collect? Only three, boss. Only three? Two from a newly married couple who didn't want to stop to argue. <laughs> Yes? And one from a bald-headed Eskimo. <laughs> well, the Eskimo's here, and I'll take care of him. See you later, Rochester. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, Rochester, I hope you sent my crunk to the right town. Last week, you sent it to Toledo instead of Toronto. Don't worry, boss. It's all packing on its way to Weehawken. Weehawken? Uh, maybe it should be Skowegan. It's Waukegan. I told you to send the crunk to Waukegan, Illinois. Now, look, get in touch with Weehawken... And then get in touch with Skowhegan and have him send the trunk to Waukegan. You better put an Indian on that, boss. Sean, they come from Paz, those names. You'll do it yourself. Now, Rochester, that trunk isn't in Waukegan. I mean, Skowhegan. I mean, Waukegan. When I arrive, this will be your finish. Now, That was the last number of the 20th program in the new Grape Nuts Flake series. And we'll be with you again next Sunday night broadcasting from ser for servicemen in Chicago, Illinois. And I want to say that we have had a marvelous time here in Canada. I'd like to thank the Governor General, Prime Minister Mackenzie King, and all the people of Canada for their splendid hospitality. And also I would like to wish success to the Canadian food industry's special war-saving stamp drive, which is now taking place. Good night, folks. Jack Benny program is written by Bill Meyer and Ed Beloy. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's I Was a Communist for the FBI, followed by The Bob Hope Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.